from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. The pride in raising something yourself. To be a farmer is an identity. We'll take you to a Georgia farm where confidence is growing. We're just days away from ringing in the new year, but there are still opportunities to save on this year's tax bill. So instead of being in that high tax bracket, they're actually going to be maybe in at most a 22% tax bracket. So as rain and heavy snow bring progress in the battle against drought. We're going to see more drought relief throughout the western United States. But also some problems right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Michelle Rook. Clinton is on vacation. 2022 is going out with some wild swings in weather across the country, from record-breaking cold and feet of snow to warmer temperatures and rain. Let's start off in the west with our team coverage, where a strong system is bringing damaging winds and excessive rain and snow. States impacted include California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, and New Mexico. The storms raising fears of devastating flooding and drought-stricken regions. In fact, meteorologists say at least three additional rounds of severe weather are lining up over the Pacific and are on a path toward the region through New Year's Day. Now, in Northern California, the slush is a welcome sight, as some hope enough snow could help the state out of its historic drought. We need either like one absolutely enormous kind of record-breaking uh, snow season. And while the moisture is expected to be beneficial in parts of the country, flooding in parts of the Great Lakes is possible as rain mixes with melting snow from warmer temperatures. Other areas missing out on much needed moisture. Unfortunately, one area of the country that does not look like it will receive much precipitation over the next week or so is the nation's midsection, one of the driest areas of the country, including the drought-stricken central Great Plains. While winter is taking a break for parts of the country, meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is continuing to keep us updated on the concern about flooding in the west. And we do continue to watch a lot of this moisture behind me out west. We're going to be watching the Sierra Nevadas here for a potential of 6 to 10 feet of snow. That's right, 6 to 10 feet, and some of these estimates are underdone here. We could be looking at even teens of feet here across parts of the Sierra Mountains, which of course will bring its own flooding to uh, parts of uh, California. Let's look at the flooding potential map here. And as we go uh, take a look at the country here, we're kind of watching two areas here uh, for this uh, upcoming uh, Friday here. Now we're watching and again parts of the deep south here. And that's one area that we're going to be watching for the potential of some pockets of uh, heavy rain developing as will be ongoing pockets of severe weather moving its way through the uh, southern tier of the country. Even up across parts of the Tennessee Ohio River Valley as well, we'll have to watch out for pockets of heavier rain. Meanwhile, back to where that heavier snow uh, will be developing out across the Sierra Nevadas. That's where you see that little yellow strip there up across the parts of uh, central and northern portions of California. We'll also be watching the coastal areas as well for several inches of precipitation. And it's all thanks to kind of several uh, different uh, waves here of energy that continue to come on shore here. Kind of an atmospheric river developing uh, for parts of the Pacific Northwest that again, this area really does need the moisture and they're gonna get an abundance of it here as we round out 2022 and enter into 2023. So again, back to that mountain snow here, intermountain snow pockets of feet and again, Sierra Nevada here, We'll be watching the potential here of 6 to 10 plus feet of snowfall over the next 72 hours. And as always, great when you have a little help on the farm. Nick Hansen of Iowa saying his sister's 2017 gate opener 
has come in handy, helping him embed calves down. Nick says he was helping out before that big winter storm hit last week. I'll bring your Ag Day forecast coming up. Thanks, Andrew. Zeroing in on that snowpack in the west in the Sierra Mountains, California reporting the state is now at 156% of normal when it comes to snowpack. That equates to an average snow water equivalent of just over 13 inches. And forecasters are predicting another two to five more feet of snow in some places this weekend to add to those totals. Now they're hoping for more snow than rain to aid the snowpack. Now the storms are coming back. And so with that, we're going to see more drought relief throughout the western United States. Some of the greatest amounts, potential of five to ten inches of liquid in the snow coming down across the Sierra Nevada. Significant amounts also expanding east of the Sierra Nevada into the Great Basin, the Intermountain West, and even parts of the southwest as we return to drought relief in the western United States heading into the new year. But the drought coupled with snow and bitter cold causing problems on at least one river, Nebraska State Patrol flying over the Missouri River near Omaha. Now you can see there's concern about ice jams. The river already is low due to drought and now the ice is lowering water levels further downriver. In Kansas, record low water levels forced the city of Atchison to declare mandatory water conservation efforts. Meteorologists there say the warmer weather over the next few days should help break up the ice. Meanwhile, damage assessments to crops from last week's Arctic cold front may not be known for some time. According to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, of particular concern is the Southern Plains winter wheat crop. The crop was poorly established and hasn't seen any snow for insulation and could face winter kill issues. That's something that we really won't know the full outcome of really until spring when the crop becomes vegetative again. Most of Louisiana's sugarcane crop has already been harvested before the storm. While the remaining crop may have seen some damage, much of that could be harvested. There are also concerns about freeze damage to citrus crops in northern Florida, Georgia, and Texas. The Georgia Farm Monitor sharing these pictures, saying the last few days have brought nothing but stress around the clock work for producers battling against the Arctic blast. It was for livestock in the Midwest. Rippy says he hasn't received any reports of any mass casualties, and he says that's a testament to the hard work by ranchers to keep them safe. Well, not only U.S. but South American weather is impacting markets right now. We'll have analysis coming up with John Heinberg. And it's not too late to take advantage of some end-of-the-year tax savings. What you need to know coming up. Twenty twenty two looks like it will go down as a big year for moving US beef to East Asia again. USDA is reporting after a record year in twenty twenty one, US beef exports to East Asia, both in value and volume, were outstanding in the first half of this year. And it comes despite economic uncertainties due to the pandemic. USDA analysts say East Asia's relatively robust middle class has supported the demand for high quality beef and a developed e-commerce retail sector has provided flexible avenues for suppliers to promote beef products during the pandemic. U.S. Meat Export Federation President and CEO Dan Hallstrom expects global demand for U.S. beef will remain very strong in 2023, but he expects volumes will be impacted by tight beef supplies. The strategy is still to be aggressive. We're working in markets like Japan, markets like Korea, markets like Mexico, 
how do we um, how do we provide alternatives to our customers in these markets? You know, may, maybe they're used to buying chuck rolls in Japan or Mexico, and with production going down, we got to provide them alternatives. So we're we're actively working on that. We're we're having progress. Things like shoulder clods are, are becoming more popular. Things like the gooseneck round or the inner inside round, outside round. Uh, the round complex in the beef side uh, historically is undervalued. So this is an, this is an opportunity, uh, irrespective of what's going on with the beef production. U.S. beef exports to East Asia, including South Korea, Japan, China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, were a record $6.6 billion from January to September this year. That exceeds the last year's exports of $5.4 billion, representing a 22% increase on a value basis. Mix closes on Thursday in both grain and livestock futures. John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing joining us with analysis. And John, we're still holding soybeans above that $15 mark with some South American weather premium. How long is that going to last? Well, we'll see how that carries into the new year. I mean, that's obviously been the strength here. We're watching those forecasts for Argentina. Looks like the next handful of days, staying, staying on the drier side, staying on the warmer side. Actually, we saw a drop today in the production numbers for Uruguay, basically that same southern region of uh, South America. So again, that just keeps some anticipation in the market. I'm watching that soybean meal market very closely and seeing if that can make another run out here. It looks like the charts want to do that. And then if that happens, that can keep some good support in the soybean market overall. Absolutely. Corn and wheat setting back, was that just end of the year profit taking or was there a fundamental reason? I think we saw some squaring up there. We're also at some pretty big technical resistance on tops of the corn charts here. You got trend lines over top. We're fighting the 200-day moving average, which is kind of a swing price. So we'll have to see if that can break. Maybe we wait till after the new year and maybe the money wants to own it. We saw that happen last year. So we'll see. You know, we maybe just looking for that demand. We're still struggling in that area. Be watching those export sales numbers when they come out here on, on Friday morning. Yeah, and of course, wheat kind of drug the corn market down. Was the market also concerned at all about these rising COVID cases in China or not? I think that's a news story all itself in terms of both markets. Obviously, the optimism of China being more open is there, but now we're seeing this spike in COVID cases and what's that going to do to demand. That just stays as a little bit of a long-term story over top of multiple commodity markets. And new contract highs in live cattle on Thursday. Do we keep going there and what's pushing it? I think it's going to be the focus on cash trade as we continue to get that develop here into the end of the week. We've seen a nice move in retail values, and that's been giving the Packers a little bit more margin. Cattle numbers obviously tight by the cattle on fee report that we see. So, again, that's just the strength in this market here. We'll see how December expiration comes into play, though, with that triggering here Friday. Okay, and hopefully we don't get some profit taking as well on top of it. Thanks so much for joining us, John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. To discuss marketing strategies, call 800-334-9779. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineRepeat.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineRepeat.com. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is in with us this morning with our national forecast. And boy, we have another storm coming in here. A pretty active system to start or kick off a new year. I know Mother Nature said it right off the bat here as we head on into our early next week. We're going to be watching a deepening Colorado low here on the northern side of that. That's going to mean a major winter storm potential for parts of the north. 
Meanwhile, we'll be watching ongoing severe weather likely from the system across parts of the south. And as we go throughout uh, Monday, we're going to be watching again a potential major system coming out of the Colorado Rockies, and that's going to again lead to pockets of heavy snow to the north, and we're going to be watching ongoing severe weather likely down across parts of the Mississippi uh, River Valley, and that will be the case here as we go throughout the new year. Let's zoom in on what we're watching for this uh, Friday. First off, we are watching uh, ongoing severe weather that will be likely, likely down across uh, Mississippi, and we'll be watching that moisture working its way eastward. Meanwhile, we'll be watching waves of showers up across the Tennessee and Ohio River Valley, and that will bring pockets of some heavier rainfall up across uh, western Kentucky, as well as the southern half there of uh, Indiana. Indiana dealing likely with pockets of inches of water. Meanwhile, we kind of zoom out the future radar and looking off to the west where again they are going to be inundated with mountain snow and again the Sierra Nevadas they're going to be looking at the uh, potential of snowfall six to ten feet with locally pockets of higher amounts of snow likely totaling upwards of around uh, 10 to 16 feet of snow. Precipitation over the next uh, several days here. Again, all thanks to that mountain snow off to our west. That's going to bring with it the significant moisture to parts of uh, California. Meanwhile, we'll be watching ongoing showers and thunderstorms up around the deep south. That'll bring with it again inches of water as we head on into the next uh, several days. Looking at the new root zone map released this week, not a whole lot has changed. We continue to again uh, watch kind of the eastern half there of Colorado as well as the far western half of uh, Kansas here that are extremely dry and really need a lot of moisture here as we go throughout the next uh, several weeks. Here's a look at temperatures for this afternoon across the country. 57 in Tulsa, 42 in Chicago. The cold those up across the northern Dakotas and northern plains with temperatures down into the 20s. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day select cities for today. Graceville, Florida, fog, scattered showers, high 70 degrees. Going over to Kansas, mostly sunny and dry, 48 degrees. And going over to Brockway, Montana, mostly sunny, high 32 degrees. Still ahead, the end of the year means producers should also think about year-end taxes. And there are some last-minute ways you can save. I talk with Paul Nieper next. will likely be a strong income year for most farmers and ranchers, which means many are looking for ways to save on their taxes before the end of the year. We have some recommendations from the farm CPA, Paul Nieper. His year-end tax planning tips include exercising a deferred payment contract where a farmer sells grain now and collects payment after the first of the new year. He says farmers can pay next year's land rent before year-end and deduct it in 2022. Another suggestion is prepaying for inputs for the next season. You have to have an invoice that shows a specified product, a quantity, and a price per quantity, and then an extension. You can't simply just cut a check to the local input dealership for you know, $50,000 and have no detail on that. Plus, farmers can use bonus depreciation on farm equipment purchases, which are 100% deductible, but that machinery must be delivered before year end. However, technically, that equipment does need to be delivered. Uh, you can't simply have an invoice and cut a check. You know, that equipment has to be available for use. Doesn't mean they have to take it out in the field, but they do need to have that vehicle. So that's definitely something that farmers are doing. And farmers can look at farm income averaging. Let's say they spike their income this year up to $500,000. In the last few years, they've been at that zero or $50,000 level. Well, we get to spread that 500000 as if they paid it over the last three years plus this year. 
So instead of being in that high tax bracket, they're actually going to be maybe in at most a 22% tax bracket. Need for cautions producers not to get their taxes down too low this year, especially if they might have a strong income year again in 2023. He says spreading income out over a couple of years is a much better strategy. Still ahead, feeding a community. How a group of adults is helping feed the city of Atlanta by working together in the country. Got equipment to sell privately but tired of scams and hassles? Visit MachineRepeat.com and click Sell Mine. MachineRepeat.com, the simple and secure way to buy and sell equipment online. There's a farm in Georgia where disabled adults work and thrive, all while producing locally grown produce for the people of Metro Atlanta. Jennifer Parson of the Georgia Farm Monitor has their story. Beef. Cabbage. Cabbage. And kale. 22-year-old Joseph Newton, originally from Nicaragua, was adopted at age four after his mother met him during a mission trip. He now resides in Roswell with his family and has been working at Peachtree Farm for over a year. These are peas. Here at the farm, it's a training ground with a big purpose. To be a farmer, is an identity and what's lacking in so many folks lives is the ability to form a community and form an identity that provides meaning and structure to their lives. They started just over a year and a half ago and in that time have built this 3,000 square foot hydroponic greenhouse, established 16 raised beds, created this chicken coop you hold one? and are preparing to raise bees in these bee boxes next summer. It's the greenhouse. We have the brain of the operation uh, controls all of our uh, environmental controls and we have the heart of the system that does all of our pumping, mixing our hydroponic nutrients from those barrels into here and sends it out to the greenhouse. Uh, in here we have our seedlings. Once their seedlings start to show leaves, they'll transport them into these boxes. With heaters in place, they plan to grow through the winter season. The goal, 720 plants and hopefully around 15,000 pounds of tomatoes. We have a few local restaurants who have expressed interest in purchasing wholesale our tomatoes. They have collards they're growing, different kind of beans, and of course, their chickens. Today, I helped clean the chicken. 19-year-old Sophia Larrier helps set up the pots in the greenhouse in preparation for the tomato plants and enjoys learning how to raise chickens. Took some time for me to, pick, to figure out how to pick them up. After conquering her fear, if you hold them like this, they won't fly. I'm beginning to get the gist of being a farmer. It's really not very hard, hard once you know how. And the chickens seem to like her company. Chickens, please. <laughs> yep, wow, but that's all part of a chicken's life. They work with the local high school's exceptional education programs, instilling confidence, job coaching, and on-the-spot ag education. There's three questions that folks with disabilities and their families ask, and it's what are they going to do with their life, who's going to take care of them, and where are they going to live? We're trying to take an approach that can answer all three of those questions by having a place for folks to work, having a space for folks to live in a beautiful and supportive environment that can really make people's lives meaningful. Joe Twiner, executive director of Peachtree Farm, is dedicated to the work. His sister has special needs and he says his family wants to be able to provide job opportunities for her once she graduates high school. We want to be able to provide folks the skills that they can take elsewhere. With plans for 
for more beds and an additional greenhouse, the future is bright for this farm. We want to build a supported and independent living community for 45 folks with disabilities to live at. He says they have community support and local businesses donate their time and services to help build Peachtree Farm because they believe in its mission. Like everything on the farm, it's a community right. effort. In Peachtree Corners, I'm Jennifer Parson reporting for the Farm Monitor. And our thanks to the Georgia Farm Monitor for sharing that story. That's all the time we have for this morning. I'm Michelle Work for all of us here at the Ag Day team. Have a great day.